Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. On this episode of ReChurch, we have a very familiar voice to our listeners. Greg Baker, welcome back. Hey, Marsh. Thanks for having me back. Oh, yeah. This is your third recording, I think. Third yes, time we've been with you. And, and what I want to do is do a follow-up. Now, Greg, for the sake of our listeners, uh, remind everyone where you are, where do you pastor? Yeah, I'm the pastor of Fellowship Bible Church. We're in the Ogden Valley, which is about 15 minutes up in elevation from Ogden. We service three towns called Liberty, Eden, and Huntsville. My wife and I have been here 10 years now. We have four kids, and Marsh, this is news to you. We have number five on the way. Oh, wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> so we're very excited about that. Congratulations. Such a blessing. This blessing is in the beautiful state of Utah. Yes, in Utah. Yeah. I should have said that. Uh, we are fun. in the middle of Mormon land. Yeah, and so this is actually a follow-up to a podcast we did back on May 13th when you introduced the Seagull Lily Foundation to everyone, all of our listeners. So let's just back up and take a few minutes to tell people what is Seagull Lily? Sego, you say Seagull, right? Yes, it's the Seagull Lily See. Foundation. The Seagull Lily is the Utah State flower. When the Mormon pioneers came across in 1847, they got here too late to cultivate any of the food. And so in 1848, the Indians taught them how to boil and eat the bulbs of the seago lilies. And so we take our name from that bit of history. Instead of feeding them the bulbs of seago lilies, we're feeding them the bread of life. And so that's sort of where we take our name. The foundation came about as more like a, like a missions thought experiment. How should we think about the state of Utah? Well, we should think about it like a foreign mission field. And when we send our missionaries across the world, the first thing we want them to do is learn the language. And so the Seagull Lily Foundation is building resources to try to help born-again Christians put the gospel into language that Latter-day Saints will understand. And that's not terribly easy. It takes years, not months, to learn how to speak you know, what I call Mormonese. Um, and a lot of those I, are theological terms that actually play out into everyday life, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, so just last night I was sitting down with an LDS couple, and they were really bothered by one of the secret rites that they were introduced to when they went to do their temple work. And I knew about that particular secret rite, but only after I'd been here several years. And if, if I hmm. hadn't known... That would have been a huge communication gap because they're technically not supposed to talk about it. Right. But because, you know, it's it's a pretty common one, pretty popular one. It takes place during the marriage ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew about it and I could help them. But again, that's information that, you know, they don't give it to you like in a brochure when you come across the state border. <laughs> so you got to figure it out. The other thing we're trying to do as well is missionaries are taught to train nationals, to mm-hmm. see nationals saved. and and let them begin pastoring their own people. And so one of the initiatives that we have is we'd like to start a training institute, a seminary even, where we can begin training LDS converts to go win their own people for the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Because again, former Mormons don't have any of that communication gap. And they've been through all those ceremonies and know them intuitively and can speak to them 
uh, authoritatively. Whereas I'm kind of like, oh yeah, what was that like? You know, are you sure you're comfortable telling me that? And yeah, so it, that would come much better from an insider. Okay, so now as a, a reminder for our listeners, so your valley where you minister, how many people? Yeah, we got about ten to 12,000 people in and, our valley. And of those, how many LDS? What percentage or about? Oh, that's hard to say. Um, it's probably two-thirds. The, you know, the latest census said the state is two-thirds Mormon, and I would reckon that our valley is pretty close to that. Okay. But then there's the number of people that have only ever known the Mormon God. Right. Um, so even though they might not be, like, on the rolls or maybe they're not practicing Latter-day Saints, they're still very much Mormon in the way they think about God. Hmm. And I would say that number's closer to three-quarters. Okay. That's pretty much maybe outside Salt Lake, pretty much throughout the area, correct? That's pretty standard for any, you know, regularly populated town. But then you get down to other places like Provo, and you're looking at 90% practicing. Oh, really? Or you go down to southern Utah, and you're looking at, like, St. George area. Again, you're looking at 85 90%. The small towns, the smaller the town, usually the greater concentration of Mormonism. Hmm. Okay, so... The Seager Lilly Foundation, the training that you're trying to use with this, give us an update on where things stand and how someone can can take advantage of the work and everything that you've put into this. Absolutely. You can go to our website, SeagoLillyFoundation.org, and we have a curriculum. It's called Discovering God Together. It's currently a six-part curriculum, but we're adding a seventh part, which I'll talk about in a minute, but you can go onto our website and purchase it there, and there you get the six lessons. Each lesson lasts about an hour, and you work them through with your Latter-day Saint friend, and it's a, I wouldn't call it necessarily an app, but it's all through multimedia, and you can do it on your computer, you can scan it to your TV, you know, many different ways to access it. With that, we also send you a teacher's guide, Mm -hmm. so that's over 100 pages, and it It teaches you how to teach the material. And then also with that, we recorded podcasts uh, for each lesson. And so each lesson has me teaching it to you. So we give you probably two and a half hours or so of material per lesson to learn. Now, you don't have to listen to all of that. You can be prepared in an hour, hour and a half. But we try to give you more than you might think you need so you Mm -hmm. feel comfortable teaching it. Yeah, because it can be intimidating sitting down with someone, uh, just an unbeliever, much less someone that's been indoctrinated in the LDS culture. And so oh, things, 100%. Yeah. In fact, we asked our born-again Christian users, you know, what would keep you from using this material? Or what has kept you from using this material in the past? And the number one question by far was anxiety over getting a question that they might not know the answer to. Mm, okay. Okay. And so what we're trying to tell them is, you know, even if you get asked a question that you might not know the answer to, that's okay. Just tell them you can go find it. But I bet 95% of the time we've prepared you for that question and you can be ready to answer it. That's great. All right. So now how much for six lessons in the podcast and the teachers got, how much is that? I think right now it's $40, but that gets you lifetime access to all the updates we'll ever do to it because... The inevitabilities of life, what do they say, death and taxes. Um, <laughs> the other the other thing you can count on is the LDS church is going to change their doctrine. There you go. And so we have to stay up to date with that. So we're constantly refreshing our materials, keeping them as up to date as possible. 
so that money buys you lifetime access to all those updates. And that's a so, bargain. I mean, you know, you can't hardly go buy a book just on learning the LDS doctrine for that. So that's $40. Okay, so give us the web, web address one more time. I didn't write it down. Oh, it's fine. It's Sego Lily okay. Foundation, S-E-G-O Lily, L-I-L-Y Foundation dot O-R-G. Okay. Now, the special training that you give, what you're saying, Greg, is you've got six lessons, and throughout this, someone with about an hour and a half prep, they'd be ready to sit down, because I think the last time we talked, all this was in preparation, right? Yeah, last time we talked, we were still just preparing all this, but it's ready to go now, and it's there. Um, you can go get it and find it and use it. You know, after our users have been putting it to the test, it really is about an hour to an hour and a half of preparation per mm -hmm. study. Okay. And the studies can last anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half. It kind of depends on how many questions your LDS friend has. They can bombard you with questions, and then sometimes... You know, they just sit there and listen, but generally they come in in about an hour. So, yeah. All right. When you do this, let's talk about some of the how-tos. Okay. So we got the material. Do you recommend doing this at your home or the LDS person's home or how do you recommend? Oh, that's tricky. Yeah. You see, how do you do it? I'm currently going through it with an LDS couple and they want to meet me at my church. Okay. Because they've got three teenage children and two of them are still very committed Latter-day Saints. Okay. And it just creates a lot of family awkwardness. So I said, you know, where do you, where do you want to meet? Mm -hmm. And they said that my church would be probably the, the best place for them to meet. I've met in their homes. I haven't had anybody take me up to come to my home yet. So I'm kind of wondering if that's a non-starter, but... But generally, you can do it either in their home or just at a neutral location, okay. just somewhere where they feel comfortable. And how, what would be something to help them relax? If you're sitting down at your church, and let's say you're sitting around a desk with a, some kind of flat screen or computer or something to look at this on, do you have beverages? What are some things to help them relax spiritually during this time? Oh, and that's a great question because it is so important to help them relax. The best way to help them relax is really to just have a positive, happy demeanor. Mm -hmm. You're excited to see them. You're going to go through this. You're not going to argue. This is not going to be combative. Part of how you approach this depends on the type of Mormon that you're dealing with. One of the greatest successes that we've had with this material is actually using it as discipleship for people that have already gotten saved. Oh, okay. Um, because... Even though they're saved, there's so much they have to learn. And so or we use it. Yeah, or unlearn. <laughs> and yeah. And so we've used it as a discipleship tool in that way. And okay. it's been extremely effective that way. And we've also used it with people who are, you know, um, they're LDS. They're really not looking for anything else. And they're, they're doing this. Maybe their spouse wants them to, or they want to find out truth. In that case, what we tell them is have you ever wondered what the differences are between Protestant Christianity and Mormonism. Hmm. And so we tell them, we're just going to set it up like a science experiment, and we're just going to sort of teach you neutrally, as it were, what these two groups teach. And then we've also sort of taken this approach, because a lot of Latter-day Saints are, are kind of like, well, what's truth? Who can, who can say what truth is anyway? And there's a, a real strong sense of universalism. And universalism just kills zeal. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter if you're right or if you're wrong, if everybody gets a second chance or a third chance. And in the LDS theology, you do get many extra chances mm -hmm. after death. And so what I tell them is, don't you want to go on a truth quest? You know, don't you want to try to figure out what, mm. what Jesus actually says truth is? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, let me help you do that. Let me help send you on this journey to find truth. And as long as my demeanor is calm, uncombative, and we sit down in a relaxed way, that really helps get the conversation started. All right, so let's back up before that. Let's say before your first meeting with this LDS couple, you've met them and they've agreed to come. So, Greg, in that week before, the days leading up to your first meeting, how would you be praying for this couple? What would your personal prayer life for them, what would it be like? What would be some requests that if I'm meeting with an LDS person, some things that I, I would need to be preparing my heart for or how the blinders could be removed? How would I pray for this? I would pray most importantly that their eyes would be opened, that they would have open eyes and open ears, and that they might be able to start to see. You know, sight comes slowly most of the time mm -hmm. to people. And so they need eyes to see LDS error. They need eyes to see truth. I also pray that they would be courageous because once they, once they start interacting with what they would consider anti-Mormon material, right. they're going to get huge kickback from their family. They might be ostracized. And, you know, this is something I was just talking with an LDS person the other day with. It's easy as Christians to sort of apologize for Jesus when he says, look, don't think I came to bring peace. I came to bring a sword, and I'm going to cut families in half and count the cost before you follow me. Mm -hmm. And if any man is unwilling to hate his father and mother and to hate his children and take up his cross and follow me, he's unworthy to be my disciple. And we can tend to apologize for Jesus in that way, but we forget that Jesus loves them infinitely more than we do, right. and Jesus gave his own life for them, and he knows best. So I pray for them that they would have courage, and I pray for me that I too would have courage to speak the truth in love and help them begin counting the cost almost immediately. Mm. I also pray, and this is, I don't have like a little pithy saying for this, but almost every LDS person begins to ask the question, well, what about my family members that are still mm -hmm. Mormons? Or what about right. my deceased family members that died Mormon? You know, are they in hell? And to start getting them to see past that and to take care of their own souls is a real challenge. And so I always pray specifically that they would understand that they're going to stand before God for their sins and they're going to stand before God for their faith. Right. And they need to think of it individually before they start thinking about the consequences of what it might mean to family members, extended family members. All right, so for the sake of our listeners, back up with the LDS doctrine. So they baptize for their relatives that may not have been in LDS faith, right? Absolutely. I mean, so to they explain that, why they would be so concerned. In the LDS doctrine, they believe that when you die, Heavenly Father makes His judgment, and you are assigned to one of four degrees of glory. Mm -hmm. Most people who've never heard the LDS message before go to the third one, which is called the Telestial Kingdom. So those are people who've never heard the Mormon message right. before. Okay. And so if a family member, and it doesn't matter how distant they are, does ordinances 
in their behalf while they're living, then in the afterlife, if they express faith, they can go up to the terrestrial the kingdom, and then okay. they can go even up to the celestial kingdom, which wow. is the highest kingdom. Okay. And so this is why LDS people do huge genealogical studies. Yes. There's over 5,100 family centers, family history centers in the world, and you can go there and track your family history, and mm-hmm. it's all for the purpose of learning which of your relatives have not had endowments performed. And mm. it's not just baptism. That's a that's a common misconception outside of Utah. Okay. You can also do temple marriage on a dead person's behalf. You can get wow. ordained into the priesthood on their behalf and cleansed and anointed, all sorts of things hmm. uh, you can do for the dead. So that would—I just wanted people to understand that they are totally, uh, I don't want to say consumed with this, but this is a very important part of their thought process. Oh, very right? much so. Okay. Yeah, they're they're constantly thinking about relatives, dead relatives. Yeah, family is so central. And I suppose now is as good a time as any. This is why we added a seventh lesson to our curriculum okay. called Discovering God's Family. Mm-hmm. Through the other six lessons, we felt like we had covered all of the theology. But, you see, most Latter-day Saints don't remain Mormon because of theology. They remain Mormon because of family. Yeah. And there's all these really emotional pulls. Like you can go check out a Mormon hymnal, for example, and look up the hymn, Families Can Be Together Forever. Right. They, they put pictures of the... One of the prophets recommended that LDS families put a picture of the temple, the nearest temple, in every room of their house hmm. to try to drive home the message that families can be together forever. Uh Uh, There's a huge marketing campaign, Come Unto Christ, and the big push is family is forever. And so we're having to address this as sort of the cultural, emotional reason people stay Latter-day Saints, because, of course, you know, you don't want to disappoint the family. No, No, it's good. And so this will be lesson number seven. Well, we're going to slot this as lesson number six and bump the old six to seven. Got it. Okay. All right. What else do we need to know? Seagull Lily Foundation, it's up and running. The material is there. You can purchase it. You can go now and get it and prepare and pray to interact with the LDS friends. Greg, what else? Tell me about the seminary. Now, that's coming, right? That is coming. We are planning on starting our first classes in 2021. We're going to offer a course entitled History and Doctrine of Mormonism. And We might only have five or six students, but we want to begin even now uh, starting to work people through these seminary courses. The Lord has brought us some men that can teach these Mm. courses, or at least help me team teach them. (laughs) And we're we're really confident that we can put together excellent, an excellent course of curriculum. That's one of our institutional goals, is excellence in everything. Now, your background, you are a pastor, but you also have a PhD, correct? Yes, I, I, I got a PhD <laughs> theology from BJU. Okay, so what I'm saying, part of your world is education. Okay, so what yes, I want to be. So. so this is part of who Greg Baker is, and the other part, um, you know, I really enjoy your preaching as well. But the pastoring preaching is part, and the educational is part of who you are. Now, will this, Greg, will this be online in residence? How will this seminary work? Well, that's a great question. You know, that's one of the blessings of the coronavirus outbreak is we've we've gotten much more skilled at uh, live streaming. Yeah. And the quality of those live stream of our live stream has gotten much better even in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. 
And so we're thinking now that we might offer it both ways, that we might we might have an in-residence class, but that we'll also be live streaming that because Utah is a huge state. You know, right. people will tell me like, hey, do you know so-and-so, you know, in this town? And I'm like, well, that sounds like a seven hour drive with, <laughs> with a 75 mile an hour speed limit. So, wow. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. so hopefully we can get some people to remote in that way. And I, I'm thinking that's one of the major blessings to come out of this. Now, all that will be on the website. So if someone yes. is thinking, okay, well, what I heard about that seminar, just go to Sigo Lilly Foundation, right? Yep, .org, and we'll, okay. and we'll get you set up with that. Okay. It's not on there now, but it will be soon. Yeah, yeah. So how can we pray for you? How can we pray for the foundation? I think you said you now have an employee coming on board. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. a young lady named Lindsay is going to be mm-hmm. moving out here, and she's going to be heading up our graphic design and doing a lot of our artwork for us, and so we're excited about that. And what financial needs do you have? This is the kind of project a church could take on under missions, right, to support the Sigurd Lilly Foundation? Yes, very much so. We got our 501c3 approval, so we're we're a tax-deductible, charitable organization, and so right. you can give that way, or a church could take us on. Right now, there's two major needs okay. uh, for prayer. Number one, I'm learning very quickly that I can't pastor and mm-hmm. oversee the foundation and grow the foundation. <laughs> I can't do that all at the same time. Right. I don't think I ever thought I could, but it's becoming very clear <laughs> that I can't. So right now, we're really praying that the Lord might send us a man who is willing to make that his job of growing the foundation. Okay. That would involve ministering in a lot of churches, being with a lot of pastors, letting them know what we've got going on, and really trying to galvanize a lot of the support out here in Utah. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, that person would be singing for his own supper because, uh-huh. you know, as the foundation gains financial backing, yeah. that would, of course, be more for him, and it, it would grow that way. But it's becoming very clear that we need an extra human support out here helping mm-hmm. us grow the foundation. Okay. Uh, the second big major prayer request is we moved to what we're calling Seagull Lily Seminars, mm-hmm. one-day seminars that churches could take advantage of. We were supposed to have our first one here in March, but that got canceled because of the coronavirus. And then we were going to have another one in early May, and that one's not looking so great either. That was a blow to the solar plexus, uh, if you want to put it that <laughs> way. Uh, we were really hoping for the income that that would bring. We were really hoping also to get people using the materials, right. getting getting the word out there. Every time we do a seminar, word spreads. But to have those canceled was was tough. But the Lord knows. And But for the sake um, of our listeners, so they can go now and either make a donation to help this or go ahead and buy the materials, right? Absolutely. So all of our listeners, you don't have to live in Utah to do that. (laughs) We can do it in South Carolina, North Carolina, and around, right? Very much so, yeah. Wherever Mormons are, our material will go to you. Okay. For the sake of our listeners, if you've never really seen the, the mission field as Greg is talking about, it's also in our backyard. Right, Greg? I mean, the LDS. Very much so. Very much so. And, you know, I was talking, I I don't want to say who it was. I was back in Greenville back this fall, and one of the Greenville pastors, a really good man, came up to me, and he was telling me about his doctor, who is Mormon, and his doctor was sort of asking him some questions. And it was just clear as a bell to me 
um, and I don't fault this pastor, you know, he doesn't deal with Mormons. Right. Um, that Mormon was like giving him an open invitation to witness to him. But Latter-day Saints, when it comes to faith talk, you know, they're like the kids at the at the junior high dance. They, <laughs> they want to dance, but they don't want to ask the girl to yeah, dance. And yeah. so, you know, they just, they're just kind of tiptoeing around. And so that's what he was doing. You know, he, he didn't really know what exactly to do with that. But he was he was trying to, and and so what I would encourage you is anytime an, a Latter Day Saint even comes close to talking to you, usually it's in the form of a question: What is your church like, or do you have Bible studies, mm. or okay. tell me how you came to be a part of the religion that you're in? Those are all open invitations, and it's almost certain. I mean, it is almost certain that they're having some major doubts but they're taught mm. to bury those doubts. Right. And now that they've got a real live in the flesh Christian in front of them that is nice, they're going to very slowly start to open that door. And mm. I would just really encourage you to take advantage of that anytime an LDS person starts along anything spiritual at all, jump on that. What if we did this? At least I've always thought that, you know, when we're prepared, then God will bring the person that we need. I mean, I would challenge people to go ahead and order the material. Spend $40, order the basic material, and then pray. Go ahead and prepare for the first lesson. And then ask God to open your eyes to the LDS neighbors or friends. Hey, and I like that. Yeah, so let's, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just think as we prepare, then God will then he'll bring them away. So I would just give that challenge. And if you do that and you're able to start this study through the material Greg has developed, then let Greg know, and he can be praying for you. Let me know. We'll pray for you. All right, Greg, give your email address, and we'll wrap it all up here. It is greg at fbcliberty.com. Right. So greg at fbcliberty.com. Okay. You send an email there, I'll get it, and be happy to reply. And really, I agree with what Marsh just said. Yeah, make yourself prepared, and then... Yeah jump on it when the opportunity comes. Yeah, that's what we need to do. Hey, Greg, thanks for your time. Tell your wife hello. Appreciate your work there in Utah. Also, Pioneer Bible Camp. You all need workers for the summer, I'm sure, right? Oh, we always do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great treat. You can also email Greg about that or go to Pioneer Bible Camp, Google that. And it's a great way to, to again, to share the gospel there in Utah and to encourage the believers. So as you think of Utah, pray for Greg Baker, pray for this foundation, pray for Pioneer Bible Camp, Fellowship Bible Church, and Greg, we look forward to seeing what God's going to do through all this. Thanks very much. Oh, thank you. What an encouragement. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org consulting.